Hello and welcome to episode number 267 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. It's time man, it's time. It is, we're back to something we haven't done for a little while. Um, kind of taking a week off from from covering the, the new stuff to go back to some good old stuff. Um in our ongoing ranking Wes Craven, which has been a little while. It's been yeah, at least three months, I think. Um, I know. It's almost like torture that we got to this one and then stopped. Yeah, well, we were saving it, you know, saving yeah. it for a rainy day. Um, I think this week was perfect. We've got a very packed and very exciting uh, October um, for the first time in a while, actually, which is awesome. Um, and we'll get to that at the end of the show and kind of preview the next three weeks because it is so stacked and I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, kind of this is the perfect time to talk a bit about uh, Wes Craven. And yeah, this movie that we've been waiting to discuss is a big one. Um, a Nightmare on Elm Street, of course. You might have heard of it. Um, yeah, and we've t- like we've talked about it so much on the show as well. Like this is the weirdest one, I guess, because... We've definitely spoke about this movie more than any other Wes Craven movies in in previous episodes. Um, you know, we yeah, went to especially see this. when it's not been associated with like uh, a show because obviously we've spoken a lot about Scream, but mm. we did a whole retrospective. So yeah, this is the count, one yeah. that just on a regular basis. Just with with cast Freddy, with <laughs> with um, with 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 literally spoken with the the guy with cast, and he's up for it. Like it's. it's <laughs> You know, we've done everything we could to resurrect Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, we saw this at a drive-in cinema last year and spoke about yeah. that experience on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, we've spoke a lot about it. But, um, yeah, we want to talk about it some more, and I hope for you guys will enjoy it. Um, but first, there's only a tiny bit of news again this week. It's been very quiet the last few weeks, um, which is uh, yeah, kicking things off with another little teaser for Stranger Things. Um, mm. Now, I really thought we were kind of done talking about it, even though... I knew that there was more teasers coming, um, you know, because I think that we knew that there was going to be four and we'd only had two um, prior to this being the third one. Right. Um, and, and again, we haven't had... the amount of teasers they're going to have? Like... Well, it, it's it's literally just in the description of the video is like a number and that's what yeah. people glean from it. But it's, it is weird because, yeah, we haven't had a proper trailer for the show, mm. even though we've seen not a lot, but, you know, there's a lot of teasers for sure. Um and we talked recently about the last one that was kind of just that announced the 2022 <clears throat> date. There yeah. really wasn't anything. It was a lot of old footage. And then it was these couple of little moments. And there really wasn't too much to go over. And after that one, I was kind of like, you know what? I'm fine. Now we know it's coming in 2022. I can just not think about it. Um, but this new teaser, there's too much in this to not talk about, um, especially with it being a quiet week. Um, yeah. So, yeah, to dive into this teaser, kind of, there's a lot in 90 seconds. Um I guess we're introduced to this family that are moving into this house. Again, it's a very interesting trailer if you guys haven't seen it or a teaser because, yeah, we're not shown our typical cast um, right no, off the get-go. It's strange. Yeah, it's kind of a, a, I was like, a family. Oh, fucking hell, we're back to murder house. <laughs> yes. Yeah, moving into this creepy old house, um, it certainly looks like it predates stranger things um you know it looks like it's the 50s and there is some more information which we'll get to which kind of 
you know backs that up um and then yeah it, it basically shit hits the fan immediately it looks like something horrific happens to the family then we jump cut to seemingly stranger things present um we get to see obviously steve and dustin and a couple of the other kids investigating this creepy house um mm. they seem to be trying to look for something for clues to, to for something or other um we get this amazing back and forth between steve and dustin um <laughs> dustin doing this kind of sherlock holmes impression just immediately just a small snippet i'm like i love these characters so much yeah. um and i've just it's been so long and i just cannot wait to see them again um and then it kind of basically ends we see this creepy grandfather clock um in the attic and then it seems like it might be in the upside down um at the end yeah. and that's that's kind of <clears> it <throat> um it's i think the trader is called welcome to the creel house mm. and that's where things get interesting because we already know that robert england is cast in the upcoming season which is already incredibly exciting um and the backstory we got for that at the time was that he will be playing Victor Creel. Um, and the kind of uh, character description was a disturbed man who is imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder in the 1950s. So mm. obviously, you know, what we see in the trailer, it, it seems <clears throat> like we're seeing a younger version of Victor yeah. there. Something horrific happens. And what I would assume happens in, in, in the show is that for some unknown reason, they must speak to him in this hospital and then he must give them clues as to go back to this house. But either way kind of seeing this it seems like when robert got cast i did worry how much of a small part this would be because (laughs) that you know they part they cast what carrie ulez um in the last season and he was barely in it like he was completely irrelevant and a lot of people like yeah you know this guy that's been in horror he's going to be in stranger things and he was he was pointless Mm. um so i worried that robert would have a very insignificant role and granted he's not in this trailer but like it seems like they're adding a lot of lore and interesting stuff but yeah what did you make i guess of this teaser overall yeah i mean i think it was like one of the big things is it's just seeing them being not so kids. <laughs> yeah. And what that actually, you know, like, you know, that, that is all kind of part <laughs> of it. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just like you, the second we see kind of Dustin and Steve and, and they start talking to each other, I instantly remember why I love the show so much. Like I'm, I'm just ready for their spinoff show, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Ships Ahoy, or whatever it's called, kind of the spin-off. Oh yeah, Scoops um, Ahoy. Scoops Ahoy, yeah. Like um, <laughs> I'm ready for that, and um, yeah, like I, I just uh, my my biggest disappointment is I just want that date. Mm. Like I, I know, like you know, they've said 22, but I'm like, come on, guys, like give us give us some sort of indication. Like we could have at least for this one, maybe got a season. And mm. then, and then, kind of, then we get a date for the number three, and then, and then four is like the full-on trailer. Um, it is interesting because, yeah, they're releasing these teasers. Teasers they have done for a while now, mm. and obviously, we're we're now about to be in October, and we've still got, like you say, this final teaser to come. And again, I'm looking at the date, and I'm thinking maybe this is just me obviously wanting it but like if they said you know january 5th that wouldn't shock me you know like i even though it does say 2022 it feels like we're going to be you know the last season obviously came out in the summer in july so i think a lot of people might be expecting you know we're we're we could still be a year away from this but i think this is going to come sooner than we than we think and i hope so as well obviously 
Um, but yeah, this was great, man. There's obviously a lot going on in this season, which I think is great because you have all of the Hopper stuff as well. Mm. Um, you know, there's even maybe hints of t- some sort of form of time travel going on here as well. So yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack, and I I'm I'm here for it. Um, Definitely, because who was it? It was who moved away at the end of the last season. Uh, it's eleven. Well, also, oh, it's basically, yeah. yeah, she's living with um, Will. Um, yes. Will's family, the Byers family, and yeah, then the yeah, they moved, moved away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't see any of those characters in the trailer, do you? You see no. obviously uh, Dustin, um, Steve, and then the girl, the ginger girl that was in Fair Street, is in it. Um, oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I did say as well. Like this really reminded me of that se- sequence in It Chapter One when the kids go to like the haunted house do you remember that sequence and right, it's like yeah. I, I love that but it's one of my favorite parts of that and i i could already see something like that going down in this like creepy haunted house but yeah it was yeah. cool man i'm just excited for the show and I, I yeah i'm i'm with you of like i want the second we get a date mm-hmm. i will then be watching the show again rewatching it because yeah, like i'm sure. desperate to rewatch it but i just this don't is, want to rewatch it now this is one of them things that i've said before like after season three i'm like this really has a chance to be one of my all-time favorite shows mm. um because it's just consistently of such a high level and just of such an enjoyment like um so you know if, if they if they can just continue to nail it it's it you know it really could get up there yeah i completely agree it is funny with stranger things because i do see some of the responses of oh i hope this is better than last season or whatever and it's like i don't feel that way in the slightest i'm completely with you that there is a consistent quality where season three might be my favorite i really don't know like i love all three seasons and to me there is no lol or massive standout season um so yeah i cannot wait for this um, and then, yeah, just a very small tidbit here to end off the news, kind of, because I wanted to talk about this movie because it was in the news last year and I don't even think we mentioned it in ages. Um, so a movie called Black Friday. Um, I don't know if you remember this one because we talked about it, I believe, late last year when it was kind of the casting and stuff. Um, this is a horror comedy um, kind of obviously centered around the Black Friday I guess, holiday slash sales, whatever event that everyone is aware of. Yes. Um, Perfectly rife for a horror comedy as well. And I think that was one of the reasons why it sounded so exciting. But obviously the main reason being that it stars one, the one and only Bruce Campbell. Um, (laughs) We we spoke about this. This sounds like it's straight up an 80s movie, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Already. Exactly. Synopsis and then the fact that Bruce Campbell's in it. Yeah, the, the, literally the second this was in the news last year, I was like, I cannot wait to see this. And mm. so, yeah, we knew it was coming November 2021. And yeah, it's so basically Variety have reported, it says that Black Friday will be released day and date in November 2021. Now, I don't know what that means because they say release day and date in November 2021. Like, mm. I, I'd assume this was just a digital film. Um, so yeah, I don't really know what it means. Is is that what you you think from this is kind of like a limited yeah. theatrical and digital yeah. release? Yeah, that's fair yeah, enough. That's what I think. It will just be yeah, super limited. Uh, but I think films are liking to say they've had a theatrical run again, mm. which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. But either way, yeah, I guess we kind of always thought it was happening, but it's nice to see that it is confirmed. And I'm hoping we'll get a trailer for this soon because obviously it's just around the corner. Not that I really need it, but. It is nice that it's one of, I guess, the last kind of digital horror movies that I'm excited for this year. Obviously, we've got mm. like The Madness of October and there is a couple more cinema films, but this is one of the last ones. Um, yeah. 
so yeah it's exciting um and yeah it's kind of being likened already from some of the early previews of, of like gremlins and krampus those kind of like <laughs> holiday horror, horror horror films and i'm like man this is i hope this is as good as yeah, i you're saying all be. the right things <laughs> yeah so yeah looking forward to that one um just got what to put it in there because we haven't spoke about it in a while and if people haven't heard of it this is definitely one that i'm looking forward to i mean come on like it's been it's been long enough i need to see some bruce campbell in my life um yeah, asap exactly. um but yeah that is it for the news this week uh shall we talk about this week's film let's do it let's talk about a nightmare on elm street So yeah, continuing our ranking Wes Craven series. Um, so what the last one would have been Swamp Thing, um, which mm. feels like a lifetime ago now. Oh my god, because... it doesn't know. I was thinking like we must have done one after that. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, because that was kind of you know with with it's been so busy since then, which mm. has been awesome, and it's been when the year has really picked up. The last two to three months have been so awesome. We've seen so many great films. Um, that's really you know. This this is looking like a year all of a sudden because yeah. of the last three months, which has been great. Um, but yeah, it's time to talk about this little classic. Um, I've got a bunch of info here that we can kind of go through and obviously feel free to interject whenever because there's just a bunch <clears throat> of cool little facts and kind of making of stuff here. Um, but yeah, basically the uh, the movie was released November 9th, nineteen eighty four. Um, it was gross. Uh, it was uh, the budget was just over a million dollars um and there is a whole thing about the you know the backing of this movie kind of loads of different investors falling out at the last second um it's a whole thing that i'm not going to get into um but suffice to say it was a little bit of a minor miracle that this happened um yeah we will... this movie got made and and then this movie actually got distributed as well <laughs> yes and and it also went on to gross 57 million dollars worldwide um mm. not too shabby shall we say um yeah. in 1984 for a horror movie um the, mo the movie contains many biographical elements from wes craven's childhood which i think mm -hmm. is fascinating um this first one i'd never heard this before so basically <clears throat> right. the, the actual premise or the basis of the film was centered around these newspaper articles in the la times mm. um that wes craven had read in the 1970s which was basically about a bunch of refugees who had fled to the united states from you know war-ridden countries at the time such as cambodia and vietnam arm and they were suffering these disturbing nightmares and basically had a bunch of sleep problems they couldn't sleep when they did sleep they had these constant nightmares and it was even reported that a bunch of these people actually died in their sleep um and this was something that kind of yeah immediately enamored wes and and you can obviously see where that was the basis of this movie which is fantastic um also i love this as well and and we've kind of touched upon this with last house on the left but the name um you know wes craven was actually bullied by a kid in school that was called fred krueger mm. um just the exact same name and obviously <laughs> last house on the left he at least changed it and tweaked it a little bit because obviously the villain is called krug um he shortened yeah. it down whereas in this movie he was like oh no this yeah, child you know we're just gonna call him <laughs> fred krueger <laughs> yeah um which, which is, is quite so... funny now because like that that 
guy like this this is one of the most oh famous my names on the planet this mm. <laughs> i know i would love to see if there was ever any comments from this person because yeah mm. it is such an Imagine iconic name. Their name yeah i would have um <laughs> the, uh, so about the sweater obviously that freddie wears um apparently it was based upon a dc comics character plastic man um but the part i find yeah. really fascinating is that he he chose the colors red and green because he read an article in, oh, in yeah. the uh, Scientific <laughs> American that said that these were the two colors that were the most clashing colors to the human mm. retina, which is amazing <laughs> because, yeah, you look yeah. at it and it is just so <laughs> awful to look at. Mm. <laughs> and I just love that he was like, yep, I'm going to make that the color of my of my killer in but my I think movie. That's the thing, you know, you think with Fred Krueger, he was basically trying to make the most despicable mm. person ever. And, um, you know, this horrible clash of colours, this burnt face, this despicable backstory... And then he made one fatal flaw, which was cast in Robert England, <laughs> <laughs> who then is just so charismatic and likable. And and but obviously it's kind of what works and what mm. has made it kind of timeless that he is this just pure despicable character, you know, very much akin to kind of you know the you know Rob Zombie and and you know mm. the, the Firefly family here. Like we shouldn't be rooting for these people. Fred Krueger is a horrible. There's 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 nothing redeeming about him. It's not just like, you know, you think of like Jason and Michael, like they've got these stories, in particular Jason, like mm. he is a product of what happened to him. Yeah. Fred Kruger's not a product of what happened to him. Like not not in this one. I mean we do we, we do get that in the later ones when mm. we do add to the mythology. Um but you know, it's just in this one, he is just this despicable evil. Um, and you know, that was Wes's vision for this movie. Yeah, we only really get the one scene, don't we, from Nancy's mum, and uh, she basically mm. explains to to Nancy what happened. You know, where it was like he was a child killer. They had him banged to rights, and then you yeah. know, someone didn't sign the right yeah, warrant, which is. Lawyer. Yeah, which which always happens and still happens to this day, yeah. um, which I love that he did that because it's kind of like it's so well written because it's so believable. Um, and then, yeah, they were just like, well, no, we, we heard where he was going to be. And so we took it upon ourselves. So, yeah, it's so mm. fascinating. Um in, in regards to kind of making his horror villain, he said um, he was quoted in 2014 by saying uh, this is Wes. Uh, a lot of the killers were wearing masks, Leatherface, Michael Myers and Jason. Um, I wanted my villain to have a mask, but also be able to talk and taunt and threaten. So I thought of him being burned and scarred. Um, so I, I love that as well, because mm-hmm. it is so key to the Freddy character. <clears throat> and I do think you do lose a lot of that, don't you? If the if the killer wears a mask. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, I think I think that is what stood him apart. And when you think, you know, the like you say, these horror villains, mm. it is what made him so unique. Until we got like a pinhead or something like that, you know, this this actual, um, you know, villain that that will, you know, talk and have a backwards and forwards, and so just being this this just you know, not even not even faceless but voiceless killer. Mm. Yeah. Um... So yeah, that that's absolutely awesome. And then yeah, he kind of he started writing the screenplay around 1981, kind of just after he'd finished production on Swamp Thing. Um, he pitched this to obviously loads of studios. Most notably, the first studio to show interest was Walt Disney Productions, um, <laughs> but they wanted him to tone it down and make it more suitable for children and preteens. Um, Wes Craven declined, <laughs> which I find to be fascinating. I would love to see what that could have even possibly like. How do you tone this down without just changing? 
changing everything about it. Um, yeah, but- I mean, you know, th- this is kind of one of those things where it's just crazy because you look at <clears throat> you look at this and like you know we we spoke about Hellraiser last week and mm. how these these movies are just so unique and so out there. And it's the, you know, it is the practical effects and the kind of, you know, I guess it's gore, but, you know, the, the kills that Freddy has, it's mm. when he does them, they are, they're all insane. You know, Rod is probably the only one that's like a little bit subdued and it's still incredibly brutal to <laughs> yeah. watch, you know, and, you know, someone getting slowly hung by a, um, you know, invisible hand is the least violent kill in a movie. I mean, that mm. pretty much sums this movie up, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the one that always affects me the most when I see mm. it, because it is just so, like, yeah, and it's it's also um, just so clever. Like, that's one of the few mm. moments when you're like, oh, this is so genius from Freddy, because he, he is clearly baiting these teens and mm. playing with them, because he doesn't want to just fully reveal himself to everyone else at this point, which I absolutely no. loved. Um but yeah, kind of a bunch of other studios turned it down, kind of most notably Paramount Pictures and also Universal Studios. And then, yeah, kind of the famous story of, of New Line picking this up. And it was one of the first movies that they actually distributed and yeah, it kind of saved them as a company. Um, and it is one of those things that kind of like we probably wouldn't have got to, you know, Lord of the Rings if it wasn't for, for Freddy Krueger, <laughs> which is just an amazing thing to think about. Um, yeah, I know. And uh, if, if yeah. that's not enough to, you know, <laughs> put it up a couple of points what is what oh yeah is like the the greatest film trilogy ever made wouldn't have happened were it not for mr fred krueger um so you can thank Wes craven for that one um yeah principal photography began on june 11th 1984 and lasted for 32 days um around la and california um the high school that they kind of filmed at john marshall high school has also filmed many other productions including greece which nice. i think is pretty awesome i'm gonna have to try and see if i can spot the uh similarities well, in the future. Because, like even as soon as you said that i was like picturing it and i'm like yeah i can kind of picture it like especially the front kind of mm. when when they when the characters are kind of like first turn up to school and when nancy leaves during the day like i can definitely see like the front of rydell high like <laughs> can't believe i just pulled that out of the top of my head as well i'm very i'm very impressed because i wouldn't even remember that and i i honestly love greece um hate, hate the movie never seen it <laughs> yeah of course sure um, <laughs> um but but yeah like it's um when you think about this being shot in kind of 30 days it is just crazy isn't it like yeah absolutely insane um over the production there was over 500 gallons of fake blood we used for the special effects well, i think that which... was just for the johnny depp scene right <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is so insane and obviously we're not going to go into that either but just the, the logistics of of how that worked um you know with the kind of upside down spinny room and they they use these chairs that they were like bolted to so they could film it that were from like um planes essentially yeah. and it's just it's so insane where it's like how did you guys do this on such yeah. a small budget and how did you have the foresight well, to create all these the, things the, the fact that it massively fucked up but it still kept yeah. in the film you know, yeah it's, yeah but it's like, so brilliant like the blood's falling out of the window um <clears throat> yeah. which is which is awesome and i love that you actually still get that as a shot because it's still yeah. just like mental it's like well that makes no sense and it's like well yeah. that's perfect exactly it's it's to, yeah this whole trippy thing um this bit was really interesting like again this is one of those things that i'm like i'm, I'm assuming there's documentaries that go over this to prove this but um right. 
It says more work was done on Freddy's boiler room than made it into the final film. Uh, the film crew constructed a whole sleeping place for Freddy, showing that he was quite a hobo, an outcast, and a reject from society, living and sleeping where he worked and surrounding himself with naked Barbie dolls and other things as a showcase of his fantasies and perversions. Um, this place was also where he forged his glove and abducted and murdered his victim. So, yeah, that's like... You don't even get any of that in the film. Um, no, with well, the whole kind of opening scene where he's making mm. the glove, it it does feel like that's way like like w- way more time was spent on that than what should have been. <laughs> yeah, because it feels very overproduced, and yeah, it does make me think like, yeah, they probably just had this entire like set, and they're like, well, we need to use it for something. Mm. But let's just do a cool opening credits thing with it, I guess. Yeah, and it's so cool. Um, yeah, another was... another one of the kind of iconic scenes, obviously the bathtub scene. Um, so this was a bathtub that was basically the the tub was put in a bathroom set that was built over a swimming pool, um, which again is just like you don't even see this level of production now in in big films you know mm. it's funny because i read this and in my mind i'm like oh this reminds me when i watched the making of inception like yeah this is what it reminds me of like one of the most technically advanced science science fiction uh, movies ever made <laughs> obviously as well like we're you know we're we're ranking the wes craven movies mm. and like it's it's funny seeing especially like now we've got on to like the the linear ranking because obviously we got our yeah. scream stuff in there you know quickly but you know this is a a crazy leap in mm. filmmaking than, than what we've seen from wes prior to this obviously um and and it is interesting that swamp thing does precede it mm. because you kind of look at the other stuff and obviously like last house was just literally just you know so raw so was hills of eyes you yeah. kind of look at deadly blessing and you saw so many hints of like mm. um nightmare on elm street but he still didn't have the craft you know we we had literally the the um bath scene in deadly mm. blessing and kind of but yeah it just doesn't have that level of craft that that this movie does but then with swamp thing it it, you know he obviously had like a a plethora of tools and all these different kind of effects that he can do and like we spoke about in that movie where he was literally blowing up hovercraft and stuff (laughs) and it was and it was kind of like he was just getting the feel for like these bigger set pieces and it Mm. does like when we first kind of um reviewed swamp thing we said that it's interesting that this was the movie that preceded nightmare on elm street and it didn't make a lot of sense but having now kind of rewatched nightmare it, it kind of does make a hell of a lot mm. more sense now that you know he kind of sunk his teeth into that and then instead of kind of going large in another you know similar sort of thing he went very raw and back to his roots of horror movies but used all of that skill set and and that's why we have these just crazy elaborate things that we just you know uh, the um the kills you just weren't seeing in in movies at that point you know the um uh i know you said about rods kind of always affects you but Mm. tina's is just one of these things that like uh you know we we talk about nightmare on street a lot on this show and we talk about it because it probably is the horror movie that um you know, started it all. I think, you know, Wes throughout his career has had those movies for when we were 
of an age where scream were kind of the things that kind of got us into maybe theatrical horror and kind of looking at modern stuff but nightmare on elm street was the movie that was like our gateway into horror when when i feel like i developed a love for horror i don't know Mm. about you but certainly it was for me and it and i think it was just these you know seeing this stuff that i just couldn't even comprehend what i was seeing yeah um, like when you first see that tina sequence you, you just think to yourself like how and and again we yeah. weren't even watching it when it came out but no. it's like i can't imagine seeing that in 1984 and just being like how do they film this because even to this day even trying to think about okay there's clearly you know some set manipulation and all stuff like that but it's like it still looks so good and it still yeah. looks like someone is is having a fight with someone invisible in midair like that's what it looks like and it still looks so much better than movies that have millions and millions of dollars on special effects um i mean the thing is you you look at it though and he threw a lot against the wall in this movie Mm. and it is funny especially especially that opening like death sequence for tina because we get so many things we get the extended arms mm. we get the chopping off of the fingers she yeah. pulls off his face to reveal the skeleton <laughs> yeah i love that and then we get her death scene and it's kind of like you know some work some you kind of uh, you know you kind of just can't help but like and then some don't work you know i think the 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 arms the extended arms they look so silly but you can't mm. help but, but love them yeah um i, I love his like, little run when he runs he, after her after that as well like every time so that gets brilliant. me <laughs> he's so tiny yeah like, I've, I don't he know looks how so Robert cute when he's running towards yeah. her with his little hands in the air <laughs> he looks like a little chucky doll or something yeah <laughs> like, it's crazy but then you know you look at um yeah when he chops off his fingers and just nothing squirts out of him and they just kept that in the movie that like, well we can't we ain't got no more prosthetics that's just staying in <laughs> And, and, you know, like the fact that they're the first two and they don't really land. And then I think the skull, the, the, like ripping off his skin is really good. Mm. And then obviously then you get to her death, which is just, you know, a whole, a whole nother level. Yeah. And it's just, it is it is crazy how many different things. And even her death is kind of multiple sequences. You've obviously got, um, you know, her being lifted up on the ceiling but before you even get to that like the when she gets the knife cut on her chest like down her chest mm. that looks so good and 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 the fact that then it cuts back to it and with all the blood pouring out it just makes it feel so so much more brutal than if they hadn't have gone back to it yeah and um yeah i don't know how this ever like with wes's like i don't know whether you've kind of done the research on that but like with wes's history with uh the board and kind of getting movies out there i don't know how this one got through like some of the stuff that's in this yeah there's a little bit about uh ratings uh in shortly but it's not yeah it's nowhere near as crazy as some of the other stuff which yeah i'm with you where it's kind of like that they talk a lot the ratings boards about context Mm. and i feel like that is probably the main thing with nightmare on elm street because it's so fantastical and all set in a dream world that you can get away with so much more than Mm. if it was just a dude with a knife um but yeah, in regards to more special effects, the kind of the Nancy's dream um, with the melting staircase, oh, yeah. um, which I always love. Um, that was Robert Shea's idea based upon his own nightmares. Um, and it was created using pancake mix, <laughs> which, again, is just one of those great little of the time moments, you know, of how you just use what you've got. Um, but it also looks banging to this day. Yeah. And, and for me, my, one of my favorite effects by far is the kind of Freddy stretching through the wall, um, which yeah. I'm 
always blown away by how amazing that looks. Um, that was actually the special effects artist Jim Doyle. Um, he was portraying Freddy in that sequence, and mm. it was literally a a wall built out of spandex. Mm. And that is what they did, and it looks that good. And that is always the biggest comparison, which is obviously to the remake, which yeah. is like we, they we, spend... don't, we don't want to talk about the remake. No, I don't no. want to spend too much, <laughs> but it's just it's a perfect example mm. of like why this movie is so good because they have a ridiculous budget for this for this remake, and they spend you know millions of dollars on special effects and they look utter shit and then you compare it to a movie that was released in the 80s where they used a bit of spandex and it mm. still to this day works and it looks like someone's coming for a wall which is just incredible it's um, one of those things though like when you watch um <clears throat> modern movies get made um because very different to this but i saw like a comparison video the other day of um the last harry potter movie and kind of <laughs> like the filming versus what it looks like and they're just running around green screen reacting to nothing. Yeah. And like, it's absolutely insane the, the, like, the low amount of on-set stuff they had for that last movie. Mm. And then you look at something like Nightmare on Elm Street, the, you know, yeah, they just had a bit of spandex, but they would have, like, fretted about it and thought about it and filmed it and looked at it to make sure it works. And they didn't move on until it worked. Mm. you know whereas with these with these digital effects they're just like oh yeah we'll film it and then someone completely you know quite often outside of the director with out without the director's vision then does the special effects and then obviously the director will look at it and give it the old all clear but it's very more you know unless you're like a peter jackson it's very much mm. more of a hands-off experience for most directors definitely um and you know and, and that's why it shows yeah a lot you know, of the times they edit and they have you know the previs sequences mm. so they don't even know what those final sequences are going to turn out but like um which is insane um but yeah the, the other thing of note here is that the film's score was written by composer charles bernstein mm. um and i just wanted to say his name on the yeah. podcast because oh his name was going to get said yeah it's it might be my all-time favorite film score. Like, I, I love everything about this score from the second this movie starts mm -hmm. until it ends. And I think it is just when I think back to classic horror, uh, without even realizing the Nightmare on Elm Street score is the one that plays in my head. Mm. Um, you know, there are so many amazing ones. Um, but I think, to me, this stands tall above the yeah. rest of being so unique, so of its time. I love the way it changes throughout the movie and becomes more like poppy and more electronic as the movie mm. goes on and i just adore everything about this film score um so yeah wanted to mention it right now um yeah it's definitely perfection you know it really is yeah it's it's so good um and yeah so so censorship stuff there really isn't too much really basically when the film was submitted to the mpaa they required two <laughs> cuts. Like, oh no where's again <laughs> yeah um they required two cuts to grant it an r rating uh the theatrical version was released with an r rating and 13 seconds of cuts um interestingly uh, interestingly in the united kingdom the film was released theatrically and on home video uncut so Jeez. no no worries there because yeah we talked about it i think it was, was it last what the 13 seconds were like what 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 was deemed to be too vile no so this is where things get interesting because i i pulled this straight from wikipedia and i don't know if this is just poorly worded but i want to discuss what this means so they say the uncut version would not see a release in the united states until the 1996 elite entertainment laserdisc release all dvd digital <laughs> and 
Yeah, all DVD, digital, and Blu-ray releases use the R-rated theatrical version. The uncut version is yet to be released on a digital format, though six seconds were restored for home video and a further two seconds for current releases. Now, what does that mean? Like, does that mean that the uncut version... Like, the version that we watched, for example, which is just a regular UK Blu-ray, like... Did we watch the R rating that was in the United States? Because obviously they're talking here that if you saw this movie in theatres in the UK in 1984, you saw the version that was uncut. And also it says home video. So yeah i'm i'm really curious whether that's just poorly worded or, I mean, I or is somewhere maybe maybe i'll have yeah. to put them side by side <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm thinking because like i don't think this version's a cut version but like this is the same i mean we've seen nightmare on street a lot and i've never noticed a difference from this version off the top of my head this feels like the version that i've watched every single time um, i mean i mean yeah but we're i mean we are literally talking like a few seconds because the fact mm. that like what was it seven seconds or something has been restored yeah like, and, the, and the original so... cut was apparently only 13 seconds <laughs> yeah so so you know we're only we're only kind of five or six seconds off and mm. i wonder if it is just tina's death mm. and and like it just lingers on her wounds a second longer and kind of you know rod screaming covered in the blood a second longer and just all of that has just been just chopped a little bit and then yeah. slowly kind of gone back because i just can't see how it could be anything else there's not there's clearly not like a whole scene missing or anything like that. It's just going to be one of the scenes or, or a couple of the scenes, you know, again, like the rod hanging scene, maybe, maybe it just kept on him hanging there lifeless for a mm. couple more seconds and that sort of thing. Yeah, you're probably right. Cause yeah, I watched that Candyman version recently and it was just like four scenes where it was, sl- uh, sorry, not four scenes, four seconds where it was like mm. slightly more graphic in one of the death sequences. So yeah, you're probably yeah. right that it's quite close to that. Um, but yeah, obviously this spawned a franchise based off the back of this movie. Um, it consists of six sequels, um, one of which we will be obviously discussing in a future installment of Ranking Wes Craven because he returned for one sequel. Obviously, he was he he had a what writing capacity in Dream Warriors. Um, yeah, it's always it's really strange because for the longest time I thought he directed it, mm. and then like when when I like got older and kind of. Um, you know looked at it a bit more i was like hang on a second he didn't <laughs> like i guess it's similar to come... saw because obviously james one and lee winnell they returned for the third installment yeah. just in a writing capacity but didn't direct so that's kind of the easy way to remember it i guess <laughs> yeah well, um, i think it's more just at the time it was very much like kind of advertised as you know where's mm. craven's full return and and everything else and it's just like because i think at one point i can't remember now but i think at one point he was penned to direct maybe and, mm. and or kind of into direct and then kind of schedule in and and kind of you know his relationship kind of broke down with with the, the the shades a bit i think and kind of new line and and that's why kind of um you know new might new nightmare was such a nice return because kind of all bridges were kind of fixed and, and you know he was back back at the helm which was lovely yeah, we'll definitely talk about that in the future because, um, yeah, I, w- I want to know kind of what happened with that. Um, but, yeah, obviously, apart from the six sequels, there was a crossover movie with Friday the yeah, 13th, there of was. course. The fr- uh, amazing Freddy vs. Jason, which I love. Um, yeah, the underrated. Although I, yeah. think it, I think it kind of does get, like, a bit more of a kind of mm. lovely phase. Like, not I don't know. I always see people just like, oh, it came out way too late and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, they did. Mm. Like, I get it. it obviously, I'd want to see it more in the 80s than when it did come out, but they did yeah. the 
best job they could when it came out in my opinion yeah like you can't like you know it's like it's like what people get like with video games was mm. oh it took 10 years to come out once it's out who cares yeah like yeah it sucked you had to wait like the last year sucked like we you know the we, we i spent a year of this podcast kind of moaning that we're a week away from quiet place that we'd brought our tickets <laughs> you know but now i've seen it i'm not gonna hold that against the movie like, you know it just, yeah. it just that year sucked yeah you know? so yeah great film um obviously there was a tv series as well yeah. which is interesting very much forgotten um was it freddy's nightmares, freddy's um, nightmares which really does have like some big kind of mythology stuff if you really want to get into it like one of you know the, I, I can't remember if it's the pilot or definitely yeah, like watched, the first i watched the first episode last year um mm. directed by toby hooper yeah. and it, it did go into like it showed freddie and core and it went into a lot of that stuff but i didn't i didn't like it it was very no, it boring and it was very much tv budget of that time which was yeah. not good um no but yeah. this thing had like less than a shoestring budget yes um and then obviously the remake of the same name released in 2010 which is by my account yeah. the worst horror remake ever made um mm-hmm. which which second worst no i second it sorry okay. I, I, second that <laughs> I was gonna say i was like what do you think is no, worse no. than a remake because <laughs> um, trust me there are a lot of shit horror remakes but that is that takes the crown of being the shittest of them all there are there are a lot of shit ones but there are a lot as well that are just like you know they're they're fine and fun hmm. and you can kind of get over them and then and there there's are a lot of fantastic few... ones as well there's a yeah. few fantastic oh, ones yeah. but there's also uh, most of them i find unoffensive hmm. i think is the part of it where i'm like oh, okay yeah like you had a go and it was dumb and it was fun or whatever but like this movie offends me to my core like i yeah, watched but... this in like th- whilst we've been doing the podcast i watched this movie <laughs> and like because I, I hadn't seen it since it first came out. Yeah, I, I like, remember I, when you I watched it, I was so annoyed. And, like, ugh, like nothing has hurt me more in doing this podcast than watching that movie. Mm. Like, at the time, I probably didn't even lay into how painful it was because it, it was just too much. Where it is just, it is an abomination. And I feel really sorry for, um, what's his name? I always get his names mixed up. Earl jackie hickey was it <laughs> oh, is it uh, jackie earl haley i think something like that i can't yeah. remember what way around they all are but like he you know was cast very good at the time i think mm. he was coming off the back of a couple of good things and kind of you know i was excited to see him as freddie and i i like the way he looked uh, for, for a part when he was not in the makeup and then the <laughs> second the makeup got put on it just everything got ruined yeah but yeah let's move on i i have never been more angry in my life than when i saw that movie at the cinema like i Mm. i genuinely wanted to like destroy the screen and just Mm. like somehow get my message across of how much this movie sucked because yeah it's it's an abomination um but yeah that was pretty much all i had really in terms of production and obviously we've been we've been picking our our little things about this movie but um yeah overall i'm just gonna say that um I um, saw that obviously like Heather Langenkamp, I don't know what she was in kind of prior to this. Obviously it's not her. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> absolutely. I think she'd been in commercials in a couple of TV movies. Right. It kind of, it kind of makes sense because um, you know, she is, she is very kind of, um, you know, not known and in going into this, but there are a lot of people that were up for the role, uh, including Courtney Cox. I did see that. Really and, it, and I and, think it might've been debunked. 
Right. Well, I saw though that it was that in Jennifer Grey, and I saw that in a documentary. Okay. Well, that might yeah, because I, I saw it, but... I saw conflicting <laughs> reports because I'd seen a couple saying that these big actors, and then some other people come fair, out and said that they weren't involved. But it's, it's difficult to say. Well, like no one really knows with these sorts of things because no. and and just whoever was making the movie because like yeah, the the documentary I watched, they did say it, but that's just a person saying it. Like, hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and I thought like that's that's kind of hilarious that like was she on his radar for that long and obviously like um uh jennifer gray as well kind of i think as well like demi moore maybe or someone like that yeah i saw that yeah um but yeah like it um it is funny that like obviously this movie we haven't even spoke about it is the the on-screen kind of debut (laughs) of johnny depp yeah that's crazy Um, and that's just absolutely out of this world as well like we've we've had it with a lot of kind of or quite a few horror movies obviously one of the most hilarious ones being uh, Leprechaun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, th- this is, I mean, I think Leprechaun probably takes the biscuit, but this is, this is up there. This is my um, favorite of all those because I genuinely love him in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I think he's awesome. And, and it, it, it's i've never really seen anything else of depth of this era you know like in my mind it's like there's this and then there's a good 15 (laughs) years and then there's kind of like the tim burton movies um yeah you know and other stuff pirates and that but like yeah yeah, i I just this and then edward scissorhands (laughs) yeah that's how depth's filmography goes to me (laughs) and but i i do i think he's awesome and obviously there isn't a huge you know that's another thing about this movie is that there's pretty much a core group of four people Mm. you know it's four teens that we're introduced to that are living on elm street that are having mm. these nightmares and then tina is killed pretty quickly in the first like 15 minutes of the film um you know she gets her first back and forth with freddie and, and she wakes herself up doesn't she with the with the boiler i think um and then obviously then she gets murdered and and then obviously um is it is uh not glenn what's the other guy's name rod rod um obviously gets arrested when he speaks to nancy and then mm. so yeah that's kind of like I don't know. It's for me. It's it's always wild the pacing of this movie and how quickly everything mm. just escalates. Where it's like immediately you're introduced to who Freddy is. You're immediately introduced to the dream world. You then have like two scenes where it's like them at school and they're talking about their nightmares, and then they set up later that night, kind of hanging out together. And then immediately Tina is killed, and then immediately they're dealing with her death. And you kind of like you know her dad is is talking to Nancy and doesn't want her involved because he's obviously like the police officer. Then you got like her mom who's just this like drunk who doesn't really want to help anyone um really fascinating character like i i think the way they portray the kind of parents is really interesting in this movie um because i feel like the kids the teens are like the the only it makes you want to root for them even more yeah. than than well, they're kind of yeah because i think you know this this is definitely a movie of that ilk and it has a lot of those themes of the time the kind of you know the promiscuous teen and you know the rules that get spoken about obviously iconically in scream like clearly yeah. this is a movie of that same blueprint yeah but well, i do think why tina gets taken out straight away exactly and sleeping literally under a crucifix yeah like, and she obviously you know, like um there's one point when he's like on the bed and she's yeah, like do you back. mind and he like yeah, goes and sits on the chair oh, and stuff there's that there's when when there there's the whole sleepover and he's mm. trying to start kissing her and she's like we're not here for that we're here for tina yeah. like you know it, it really is that kind of you know two versions and, and one of them gets ripped to shreds in yeah the first quarter of the movie and the other one's the final girl 
So obviously um, it is part of that, but I think this movie to me is different to a lot of those because of the fact that they are very redeemable characters. You know, yeah. like I think Nancy in particular and Glenn are like so sympathetic because they both have these pretty shitty families and they no one's listening to their fears and struggles which i also think is a great theme of this movie of kind of like you know teens going through problems and the adults which are the people you're supposed to trust just don't, aren't listening <clears throat> well um, it is and, one of these things where it's like oh it's just a nightmare it can't hurt you and and that is like the real life version of that where it is just like oh it's just you know it's just something that you're feeling right now it can't really hurt hurt you and then you know these um you know children kind of do terrible things to themselves or whatever and like because parents didn't listen and that's kind of what this message is all about that like the 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 parents are just like oh it's just a dream like whatever Mm. Like well, and just... also, I also love that it's the parents' fault. Like, yeah. it's the whole reason why all of this is happening to these four teens no, is because of because yeah. mummy killed him. Like, it is, you know, it's because of the actions of the parents, and that yeah. is a such a great twist, really. Like when um, Nancy's mum speaks to her and reveals that, you kind of like oh you created this monster you tried to pretend that it wasn't a thing and now it's come back to haunt you and yeah it's just it's just fascinating like i say where i think even though some people will point to this and it'll be on the checklist of a lot of these kind of teen slashes of the 80s but there is so much more about this when you really dive into the story Mm. that makes it very very different i think um yeah but yeah it's just incredible isn't it every time like every time i watch this movie it's a joy um even i'm prepared for it and i have seen Mm. it a lot it always catches me off guard just how the level of craft like you say this is we've watched you know these other wes movies and this was the first time actually obviously watching it in this order Mm. um which first of all i did love and you were talking about it earlier um where you can totally like you say see the blueprint or, or at least the continuation from deadly blessing and also swamp thing like the the finale when freddy's on fire running yeah. through the house i was like oh this is you know i remember when that dude was on fire for 10 minutes in swamp thing and he yeah. and he jumped into the swamp and how hilarious that Freddy's was on like fire for so long <laughs> yeah man. I was like, like it's so it good the point that i'm like he's burnt already just leave him alone <laughs> like, yeah and that's another one of those brilliant little funny moments i guess where he looks so big because oh he's like God, a he dude so in big. a fireproof jacket yeah, <laughs> yeah he um, looks so big his head is like four times the size yeah. of the regular freddy head i know i just love those like he like say they have this movie has these small little quirks um that just add to its charm but, but the thing is obviously that doesn't look great but the the fire effect looks so good that you mm. just forgive it and you do you know you 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 love the craft yeah and the fact that they were they were doing things that you hadn't seen before and it was the fact that like when she sets him on fire and then you know they go down into the basement and as they do the foot the footprints go round the living room and up the stairs like mm. uh, it's so it's just so clever how it works and and um you know it really like I think like the ending of the movie really does kind of to this day just kind of messes with your head. And every Mm. time I watch it, I kind of take like a different view on it. Like, yeah, how much was real? How much was in her head? How much is Freddie like messing with her? And like, I, I really like that, that it is this kind of just you know, open for interpretation. And it really is that, that there is no right answer for it. I don't think. 
There was a lot of stuff regarding the endings, which mm. I didn't pull for the trivia because there was a, literally so much. But yeah, it was yeah. very well, disputed. There was so many endings. Yeah, and... Wes had different ideas of what he wanted to do, and then and then obviously Robert Shea had different stuff, and they kind of came to different compromises. But um, I think ultimately what they got was so perfect. Like I love, I love this ending through the door. Yeah, again, it's one of those effects that I always pop for. I'm always looking forward to it because it's just so brilliant. Um, but for me, when I'm watching it this time, I always forget how quick the ending is because mm. i always remember the her saying you know you can't hurt me you know you're not real and then him kind of fading away as she opens the door mm. and i always in my mind misremember it as like oh there's probably one scene where she's talking to her mum and dad covered in blood and they're checking her over and then you kind of get a transitional yeah, no, scene but no it cuts immediately like opens the door it's a bright sunny day her mum's there i love the fact that she's like yeah i'm not gonna drink anymore i just That's woke up today line. and i just didn't I'm, feel I'm, like I'm it anymore yeah like, it's it's so good and then suddenly like oh look here's all my dead friends hanging mm. out in the car it's like, it's so perfect yeah like it's i always thought there was a little bit of like oh you know like inception like oh is yeah. it a dream or isn't it and it's like no they they lean so hard into it being a dream which is awesome yeah, um and obviously the stripes on the on the car is just amazing every single time um but yeah the, the overall craft like you say of this movie is mind-blowing because there's a lot of these movies that we've seen in this era they have the certain things that you attach themselves to whether it's the killer whether it's a certain performance or a soundtrack whereas i feel like to me this is like everything about this movie from the writing the directing the acting the score the mm. special effects the editing like everything about this movie still holds up to this day and i, I really wild. don't think there's many films of that era that i can do the entire checklist on and every single thing still hits um which yeah this movie is just absolutely phenomenal isn't it it's, it's it really a, it's is. A... What, what has this done for you as well like uh with the whole rabbit hole of the sequels well, I'm definitely going to watch them. Um, I'm not going to watch part two, not because no. I don't like part two, but because the last three times I've watched A Nightmare on Elm Street, I have immediately then watched part two because I'm like, I'm going to watch them all. And then for whatever reason, never got around to part three. And again, this isn't a reflection because I do quite like part two. I don't love it, but I think it's fun movie for what it yeah. is. Very camp and silly, which I enjoy. Um, but I, I think, think the, biggest, the biggest problem I have with two is that it just breaks so many rules yeah that were established in this it, it, it doesn't respect the original in that way like i love the lead and i love the kind of you know the story it was telling and then the undertone that it didn't mm. even realize that it was telling at the time but it told so well um yeah, you, but, but the documentaries are almost more entertaining aren't they than the actual they really film. are <laughs> they really are but i think it is just the way that freddie like legit just runs around in the real world and stuff it just mm. kind of you know it broke so many rules and i think that's why with like uh is that the, is that the one where it's like a party sequence yeah, yeah, yeah. by like a pool or whatever well, yeah that bit's ridiculous like it has a great line where it's like you're all my children now but it's just you know it, it just doesn't work because mm why is he in the real world you know and and it kind of you know i think you know the, the franchise did really well to come back from that rule breaking kind of thing mm -hmm. and i like obviously it's dumb like it get, and it gets dumber but you have to stick with freddy's in the dream world um you know unless you do get into the whole um you know freddy versus jason thing but they at least they kind of explained it you know and had had yeah. rules for it and everything you know obviously 
in this one, Nancy pulls him out of the dream world, but it needs to be, you know, establishing what's going on, not just have him rock up at a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least then you can get Freddie in a chef's hat saying these funny one-liners. Um, it's, yeah, I, mean, I don't think he had the chef's hat until the fourth one. Though, but... <laughs> I think it's a good transition because I do want to talk about Freddie and, mm. and Robert England's performance in this movie because, yeah, it is you know he's become so iconic as this character he became mm. this huge pop culture icon in the mtv adverts and and freddie's yeah. face on everything on bubblegum and and all that stuff whereas i feel like when you when you really just watch this one movie mm. um it is so iconic and it's one of the only things that i do think suffers the fact that there is sequels is mm. is freddy because i think freddy in this movie is perfect he yeah. the amount of lines he has is not too much um it is the perfect amount of of kind of like i said earlier well, gesturing and baiting towards these teens that the he, moment that you mentioned earlier when he cuts his fingers yeah. and does he say what does he say like is this your god or something along those lines um, no he says like she that's before then where she's like oh god and he's like this is god yeah something like that. yeah it, it's so good um, those moments that's the thing though none of it is like a cheesy one-liner it's no. sinister it's got that sinister undertone it's dark because wes was trying to create a despicable character mm. it's just that robert brought something else to the screen and that and this is the best you know this is the best freddy krueger we get mm. because <clears throat> you do get that mix because you know i the, the you, you have to be in the mood to watch the sequels and kind of just be like oh it's going to be this dumb fun but it really does get silly you know mm. and it's like never does this get silly you know even when you know she rips the skin off his face and he's this mm. laughing skeleton the the laugh is this you know kind of just uh, psychopathic laugh of this guy that has this power and he's just abusing this world that he's in that he is in control of. Hmm. Well, it's like the the phone gag where what does he say? Mm. Like I'm your boyfriend now. Yeah, Nancy. I'm your boyfriend like, now. Yeah. It's that is sinister it's when you dark, see it, especially yeah. the first time because you're like, oh my god, it looks graphic and disgusting, and the fact that he's like la 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 with his tongue or whatever. But then yeah, it's obviously it is tongue in cheek because that is his like very dark, sadistic sense of humor. And I think like mm. say that's what Wes was going for with that quote we mentioned earlier of why he couldn't have a mask was that the a key part of this character is the overall taunting of these teens it isn't just this yeah. this the, you know the shape the shape is a shape he's not supposed to be anything other than this this dark no, he presence wants to, that haunts he you. wants to punish the parents and, and mm. punishing them is by slowly making these kids go insane because obviously there is there is like you know the the deeper part of nightmare on street when you do think what have these kids done to themselves did Tina cut herself in her mm. sleep. Did did Rod hang himself in his sleep? You know? Yeah. <laughs> did did did, uh, <laughs> did did Johnny Depp suck himself into a bed and <laughs> with his put, TV? Four hundred <laughs> gallons of blood on the ceiling. M Who knows? Maybe not that one. But you know, it does it does start to bode the question of you know, um, is he just a, an idea, and is he in their heads and messing with them to eventually they demise? And is that how he's getting his revenge on the parents? Mm. You know, Freddie doesn't need to actually be doing this stuff. It's all just in the dream and then it's physically manifesting itself. Yeah. Well, I think also the fact that dreams are this weird nebulous thing that we all experience, I think, mm. is key to the story. It's not just an excuse to do anything, which I think a lot of the times, for example, in a more paranormal based thing, that's what it would be is it's just an excuse to do anything. Whereas yeah. I think here 
it's used in the way nightmares are used in reality, which is it's to freak you out and to scare you. And that's why Freddy wants these prolonged scenes of torture. He wants you to never know what's around the corner. You know, like the Nancy, Ch- uh, the Tina Chase is the perfect example of that when he just pops mm. out of a tree, you know, and he's just like, you don't know where I'm going to be. And he's always behind her. And obviously, like the face falling off where it's that unex- uh, unexpected. Yeah, he could have got her at any point. Yeah, exactly. But it's not about that. Like you say, you you don't really have a dream where a guy comes up to you with a knife and just kills you and it's five second nightmare. Like it's it's going to be this prolonged terror, you know, of running up a staircase that's that's slowly melting away under your feet. And it's just it's so awesome. It just it's such a unique idea. And then you think to yourself, oh, do they have the capabilities to pull it off? And it's just it's perfect that they did because it's not always the case. We see so many great concepts that were probably ahead of their time, let's be honest, um, because they didn't have all of the right means mm. in the 80s and certainly not the right money. And this is like the perfect mix where you get an auteur that can get that vision across. You get an amazing young cast that I really don't want to understate how yeah. fantastic they all are, especially where I've not, you know, obviously Johnny Depp is an, is an <laughs> A-lister, but yeah. everyone else I've not really seen in much else. And well, they're and all as well. Sometimes when you have something like that, where you've got Johnny Depp, who is clearly a world-class actor and, mm. and an A-lister now, or was anyway, um, you know, it's kind of, well, um, does he stand out and does everyone else mm. seem just okay? But I'm like, no, he is not the standout in this movie. Like, they're all fantastic. Like, Rod is just as good as Glenn in this. Like, yeah. you know, they're all... They're all so good. And I think that kind of, you know, just leans to how strong this cast is. Yeah. It's it blows my fantastic. mind that Heather kind of didn't kind of, you know, when you look at some of these kind of actresses in these mm. movies, like it does blow my mind that they didn't have more kind yeah. of, of a career. 100%. Because she really is just, she's, she has this girl next door, like probably more than any horror person I can think of. Like Jamie Lee Curtis is the one that gets that kind mm. of, um, nod from a lot of people because she was in so many different horror movies but for me when i think of like who is the girl next door i i think of i think of nancy mm, i do as well i completely agree because um, yeah, yeah to it's... me she doesn't look like an actor you know like a lot of no. these people do look like actors and because as we say time and time again um and granted this movie has johnny depp in it but like most actors are phenomenally looking and it does take you out of it at times because you're like well is this really realistic that everyone on this street is like completely gorgeous <laughs> and look like models and i get that johnny depp is in this movie so maybe the point doesn't stand very well um but yeah, yeah is there it, any... does, it does with that you know that side of it and like i say that nancy is just this wholesome girl next door that you mm. that, it does make you root for her more i think 100 percent yeah, um, I mean, anything I don't else to touch upon before? This movie, but I think we probably <laughs> we probably need to get to the inevitable uh, headache that we're now going to have to undertake. Let's do it. So we're here to rank these movies, of course, yeah. um, with with eight movies already ranked um, as follows: number one, Scream; number two, Scream Four; number three, The Hills Have Eyes; number four, The Last House on the Left; number five, Scream Two. Number six, uh, Scream Free. Number seven, Swamp Thing. And number eight, Deadly Blessing. Um, I wonder if this is better than Deadly Blessing. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Don't, don't, even, don't even start. Like, we can't, like, we can't. <laughs> we, got, we got a lot to get through. We can't, we can't start comparing it to Deadly Blessing. 
<laughs> no, I mean, should, should we start the bidding at, at Scream Four? So, so what? T- two to three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's clearly it's clearly better than Hills of Eyes. Yes. Um, and so it, it does start to get to the point of yeah, is it better than Scream Four? And then does it hang with Scream? Um, it, it's it, it's where it starts to get impossible. Um, <laughs> I I think like I was thinking about this a bit, but trying not to too much, and I wanted it just to be kind of. Mm. right for when we have this chat more than anything yeah and i think the more i think about it you know scream 4 is a masterpiece and it does do so many things but it is just it is the same formula it is what we have seen scream is the blueprint and i and i do think like you say when you look at this it's perfection in Mm. so many ways in you know everything that you said—the score, the acting, the the directing, the 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 scope, the vision. You know, um, I I really uh, I I feel like the conversation needs to be which one is Wes's best, Scream or Nightmare on Elm Street, and so for, I think it surpasses Scream Four. Uh, yeah, so two things. First of all, I completely agree. Um, I was just like, I just wanted to start the conversation at Scream yeah. 4, but well, in, in, yeah. in no point would I ever even consider this movie to be below Scream 4. Um, it's clearly a battle for number one at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the other one thing I want to specify, and I should have said this before we, we kind of talked about the rankings, but obviously this this list that we're building is our favourites um, mm-hmm. for, for the listeners. This isn't like trying to, you know, you can take in um histor- historical value and all that stuff because it's it's going to make it whether or not it's our favorite but we're not trying to build the everyone's ranking of wes craven's yeah. films or what is critically the best or anything it is purely our own favorites and i do think so far the the placements of the eight movies reflects that already um and yeah i just want to clarify that because uh yeah that's how we've always ranked these movies wait the next one guys <laughs> <laughs> the film that breaks the list i can't wait um but yeah i mean this this movie or scream um i th- i think i know where i stand but i definitely want to put you through some torture first so uh which one do you no, prefer? I... I want you to talk. I need to think. <laughs> wow, you really going to be that much of a coward? I can't. Well, my problem is, is they they both go beyond the movie for me. Mm. Um, are these like arguably maybe your two favorite horror movies ever? Oh, they are. The, these are definitely <laughs> my two favorite. Yeah, and a lot of the time I say my favorite is Scream, mm. but in recent years but for so many years it was nightmare on elm street just unequivocally Mm. and my childhood was being freddy obsessed Mm. and watching all of the sequels even though i you know knew they weren't great but the first movie was just so goddamn good and the the character was so goddamn good Mm. um you know and so it is like you say when we start talking about our list i start we start talking about what's influential and and kind of what has left the biggest mark on us and i genuinely don't know which one has um because you know i think nightmare on elm street is the movie that that started it all you know but scream is the one that gave it like fire when when the fire was almost gone you know Mm. so it was like 
it is, you know, the original spark versus what got the fire blazing again. So, it, well, it, yeah. Scream as well was closer to um, when we were first watching these movies, obviously. Mm. You know, like it was. Um, I don't know if we necessarily saw it right when it came out, but I do specifically remember renting the video of Scream, and it was a new-ish thing. Like it was before I'm... Scream Two came out. Yeah, right? so it was like so all of those references, the pop culture, mm. the actors, it was also relevant to us at the time. Um, whereas obviously, when when we watch, you know, I love so many of these old classic movies, Dawn of the Dead and, and Psycho are kind of two of my favorites of the older films. Like it's always you have to go back to that mentality and think about it from that point of view as well because we just weren't watching movies then you know as before i was born um the other thing i wanted to mention where i don't think it's massively relevant for the conversation but obviously as a franchise i think we would probably i mean i would say and i wonder if you agree that i think scream is a better franchise um not just because of the fact that wes did direct all four but i think consistently the scream franchise is of a higher quality than the nightmare on elm street franchise but of course it's not really relevant here because we're talking about the first movies only i think that yeah isn't a conversation like Mm. for that i think it i think it's clear that obviously that might that might influence the the uh, the decision for what is our favorite because obviously if we love the franchise more, it might make us yeah. like an individual movie more. So yeah, potentially, you know, it's what we talk about where the, you know, sequels can make the original better, mm. you know, and, and definitely the scream overall, you know, vision is something that's fantastic. You yeah. know, the, the nightmare on Elm street movies, the, you know, most of the sequels are, you know, very just, you have to be in that mood to watch something that they, they go very downhill and they are just all about Freddy. Well, it yeah, shows you the quality as well that, like, he made he made his fourth Scream movie, and <clears> as of <throat> right now, it's our second favorite Wes movie on the list. So <clears> that just shows you the quality of that franchise. But um, yeah, yeah. What what are you thinking? I don't know. Like, would you do? Do you need me to speak at this point? I think I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. I'm starting to formulate something. Um, if if I could only watch one of these movies for the rest of my life, I would pick Scream. Um, but I think Nightmare on Elm Street is better. And I, and I do think it's my favorite of the two, um, because of the fact that it was just so unbelievably groundbreaking at the time. And I just, I still can't comprehend like scream to me seems like something someone could make, um, at that time. I can kind of see where you would get to a movie like scream. I still can't believe they made a Nightmare on Elm Street when they did. I think that was the the lines I was starting to go down where with Scream, obviously what Scream did was an iteration of what we've seen for so many years Mm. and kind of, it is a parody of it. It is scary movie until scary movie came out. Mm. You know, it was playing with the tropes and being aware of horror movies, referencing horror movies and talking about them. And it is one of these things where it's incredibly clever, but you do picture, you know, you, you, you know that, these movies have been made this is just a slasher movie whereas you know like we spoke last week about hellraiser and i think the comparisons for hellraiser and nightmare on sheet are very apt mm-hmm. because they they are truly unique i can't think of two horror movies that are just this just mental journey and even and both of them have spanned a ton of sequels yeah. and you know the original still uh, kind of you know stands tall obviously hellraiser 2 is a different conversation but um 
you know, the, the originals are just so unique. And I think, I think with me, uh, it, I was in my head, I'm kind of where you're at in the, if like the movie that I want to watch the most and that is in my head more is probably scream mm. because it is just much easier to watch and you just stick it on and, and it's kind of this real fun ride. Whereas this just is, but, but when, and so like my kind of, uh, you know, part of me is saying that, but then when I just think about it, I think nightmare on Elm street is just something that is just truly special. And I think as well, you have to start to put time in a place to this as well. And when this movie came out, I just can't, like, like I say, we can't comprehend that he did that stuff if, if that came out today, let alone back then, and let mm. alone, like, you know, what that did for the for the genre and, and for movie makers and everything back then. Yeah. I and also so... think for me as a final point, like, I, to me, Wes Craven is a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we would be talking about Wes Craven in 2021 and his I- amazing impact on the horror genre were for it not for this movie. Um, and yeah, to me, that is why it would always be my favorite. I, do, I, I don't want to choose between the children because they are so incredible. But it, it, I think that is it, that the Wes embodies, you know, Freddy. When you think of, when you see Wes, you see Freddy as well. And, mm. you know, it is it is the legacy that he built and and i just think as well that freddy is this character that that really did shape like i say my uh being a horror fan yeah so yeah well, i think that's settled i think we have a new number one i, I it was Feels so I, good. I, I wondered if scream would ever get dethroned um will it will it keep on to that second spot and also like we obviously we don't want to change the rankings willy-nilly every time but like <clears> we can <throat> at any point change this up until <clears throat> our final uh wes craven movie which is probably about six years away at this point <laughs> um <laughs> but we're, we're almost halfway because i think that if when i looked at it there was 20 films um right, and this right. is now nine films as part of the ranking um so yeah very exciting indeed and new number one of course i didn't as think you... it would happen like i was gonna say before we uh you know watch this movie mm. I, I really didn't think it was gonna dethrone scream really did you not um no because it because it is one of these things that I, I just think so often i watch nightmare on elm street but watching it for this show and and kind of looking at it with that sense it is just truly special. Mm. And I think like in my head, it's just kind of like, like um, I think you put it really well, that Scream is the movie that I'll probably watch from now to, to, to when I die. Like Scream is probably the movie I'll end up watching more. And like, because, because of the franchise, like I'll mm. want to watch all of the Scream movies. Whereas like Nightmare on Elm Street, it is like, like what you've got right now you're like yeah, well, like uh, I, stream warriors like, yeah, do, I, do i skip two do i just watch, obviously we'll we'll do new nightmare at some point so yeah. i obviously want to at least watch some of those sequels in the middle i don't mm. want to just go from this movie to a new nightmare because yeah. i don't you've think that'd time. be fair oh yeah for sure um <laughs> but yeah obviously as we were alluding to next up when we do get round to this will be the hills of eyes part two um which we yeah, have so this told... conversation just gets defunct straight away then <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what when you were saying a lot of things about you know defining you as a horror fan and stuff i was mm. thinking oh, i might be saying that in, in the future um but yeah it, that's going to be a fun one like who knows when it's going to be it'd be nice to get to that you know around year end um mm. maybe get to it in december but yeah 
that's going to be a fun one i'm looking forward to it as well because yeah after that there's three movies in a row which i haven't seen from wes so very very intriguing you know those those shows when we haven't seen them um and then obviously like the the later years of wes i'm really you know i haven't seen red eye in so long, so long and i just can't wait yeah. to watch it again and, and new nightmare as well so plenty of awesome stuff it's always a great time talking about wes craven movies um but yeah that was our discussion and ranking of a nightmare on elm street uh, we'll take a short break and we will be right back So yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. A l- lovely time talking about Wes. Um, but yeah, like I said at the start of the show, obviously our October schedule is looking fantastic. Um, yeah. So yeah, next week, it's the big one. It's the one I've been looking for for a very long time. Uh, a TV special where we're going to be discussing Midnight Mass, um, which is available now on Netflix, all seven episodes. Yeah. So hopefully yeah, you guys yep, will have watched it. Um, we've started and I, I can already tell you that next week's conversation is one you will not want to miss because um, I can't wait to talk about this show. Finally, Mike Flanagan is back. Um, then, of course, the week after that, lest we not forget, there's a new VHS movie out um which again i'm like uh, you know we've discussed it on the show but like i love the vhs movies they were one of the big movies that pulled me back into horror um and the fact that we're getting a new one on shudder is just incredible so i cannot wait for that and then you know for me the least exciting of the next three weeks is one of the biggest horror movies of the year in halloween kills um this soon as well i know um i'm really pumped for it yeah i'm sure it's gonna be a great time um so yeah i'm looking forward to it like i say we've got a perfect mix of like the the most exciting tv thing we could possibly have probably the most exciting digital release of the year and then one of the big cinema releases so it's an awesome october of course the end of october as well last night in soho um yeah the 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 hype and excitement for that one could not be more uh higher from us so yeah this is like by far the best October we've had for the show, which is fantastic. Yeah. I feel like we all we've all earned it over the last year. We really so have. hopefully everyone enjoys it. Um but yeah, that's it for another week. Um that was episode two hundred and sixty seven. Uh thanks for listening as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. Anyway, shut up, I can't. Maybe because I never could. How could I start that?